Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 1. Jesus had a very specific purpose when he called the 12 disciples. And uh, he had an individual plan for each one of them. And uh, how their lives changed when Jesus said, follow me. And they simply obeyed and followed Jesus. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Um, Judas uh, didn't turn out so well. But, uh, of course, Matthias replaced him. But God had a purpose and a plan for their lives. Um, I think of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a youth, and, and God called him and said, Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. And I set you apart to be a prophet unto the nations. God had a purpose for Jeremiah before he was born, and he's got a purpose for you and me. Um, God has designed us to make an eternal difference. And we do so as we follow Jesus, as we fulfill the role that he created us to fulfill. Uh, he, I believe he's got a vocational purpose for us. You don't have to be a preacher. You can, be, you can work out in the secular word, world and there are things that need to be done. And I believe God creates people to do, to do those things. Uh, God creates people, I believe, to reach certain other people with the gospel. Uh, there are some people that just connect with other people uh, of a certain type, and God uses them. Um, I, I think God uh, creates us to fulfill a specific role in the body of Christ. Um, that is as significant a thing as you could think about. Uh, he has created us for his purpose. And so uh, we need to line up with that purpose uh, and fulfill that purpose that God has given us to fulfill. Well, Nehemiah knew one of the purposes God had for his life was to build a wall. Uh, there was no confusion about that. God had given him the information. He'd given him a burden. He'd answered prayer. Uh, the, the things had been falling into place. And then Nehemiah went to the people that were ready to build. Uh, God was at work in Nehemiah's life. And Nehemiah would take this call of God upon his life, and he would walk and live in obedience to it. Uh, he would take steps that were great personal risks to him and, and talking with the king. Uh, but also he would organize the people, and uh, he would help them work together to accomplish a great task in a short amount of time, a remarkable amount of time, so remarkable that as they're working on it, uh, Sam Ballad is shocked at how much process progress they've made and uh, uh, is, is disturbed and trying to interrupt them and discourage them from completing the wall. Uh, we won't get that to that part tonight, but uh, what an amazing thing when God's people get together to fulfill a purpose. Did you know God has a purpose for assemblies? God's got a purpose for South Clinton Baptist Church. You believe that? I believe it. And you and I are a part of the fulfillment of that purpose. I believe with all my heart that God's called me here. I had, I had uh, one lady um, in, in the first church I pastored, uh, and her, her husband was actually a deacon in the church, but they had left another church and, uh, and, and were at our church temporarily uh, because God began to convict her. She hadn't forgiven those people at that other church. 
So she wrote me a letter. They kind of disappeared from our church, and she wrote me a letter. She said, she said, you preached a message on forgiveness, and God dealt with me, and I've forgiven these people from this other church, and I've gone back where God, God wants me to be. <laughs> and so if you haven't done that, if you've if you got somebody you need to forgive, that, that may be a different story. But I believe God's called us here to fulfill the purposes he has for this church. And so uh, the, the question would be, Lord, what is my role? How can I fulfill this uh, in, in your plan? And so uh, we need to fulfill God's plan through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the title of my message is Fulfilling God's Plan. Now, I'm not going to read this whole chapter to you. It's very repetitive. Um, but I'll give you the gist of it before I start and read the first little section of it. Uh, basically, there's a wall around the city. There's over 40 different stations of people working around this wall, okay? Some of them are organized according to family. Um, some of them are organized according to vocation, uh, such as your, your gold and silver workers and your, your priests. Um, they'd be both. Uh, and, and so, uh, but they're all organized, and, they're, and he's basically going from station to station Describing the people working on those stations and what they're doing and how they're completing the task. And so uh, you get enough of a taste of that here in the first part of the chapter to where I won't read through the whole chapter. Uh, but look with me at verse 1. It says, uh, the high priest, Eliashib, and his fellow priests began rebuilding the sheep gate. They dedicated it and installed its doors after building the wall to the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hananel. Uh, they dedicated it. The men of Jericho built next to Elishab, and uh, next to them, Zachar, a son of Emery, built. The sons of Hassaniah uh, built a fish gate, and they built it with beams and installed its doors, bolts, and bars. Next to them, Merimoth, son of Uriah, son of Hakos, uh, made repair. Beside them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, son of Meshazabel, that's a mouthful, uh, made repairs, and next to them, Zadok, son of Biana, made repairs, and beside them, the Tekoites uh, made repairs, but their nobles did not lift a finger to help their supervisors. Okay, so fulfilling God's plan. How do we fulfill God's plan? Well, first of all, you need to determine God's direction, okay? You need to determine God's direction. Now, some things about the plan of God, we don't have to determine a direction because they're told to us in God's Word, right? Uh, it's, it's a no-brainer. You don't have to determine it. We know uh, it is God's will for you and I to give thanks, right? Because that's what the Scripture says. Give and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We don't have to question God about that. We just know that that is God's will. But sometimes God may have a specific thing that God wants us to do, or he may have a specific role that God wants us to play. Uh, and so um, we need to have our surrendered heart uh, to be willing to do what God would call us to do. If we're not surrendered, then chances are we're not going to hear from God because God knows we're not surrendered to him anyway, so why would he tell us what he wants us to do? So we surrender then we ask for God's direction, and then uh, God, in his time, will show us the specific things he wants us to do. So do what you know to do from God's word, 
and for what God has revealed to you, um, and then trust him to reveal other things as he sees fit. So if you look in chapter 2 and verse 18, uh, Nehemiah is telling the people, he says, I, I tell them how the gracious hand of my God had been on me. In other words, God had given him a burden. He'd prayed about the king. God had answered the prayers. And, uh, and what the king said to me, he, he, hey, here's some materials to build. Uh, here's, here's some letters to take to the governors. Uh, here's all these things that you need. And so they said, let's start rebuilding. They saw the hand of God moving. They saw that it was the will of God. And they said, let's go for it. Let's go out together and do this thing because God has directed us to do it. And so um, to fulfill God's plan, you've got to determine God's direction. Now, Moses seemed to have some sense of God's direction because he's trying to deliver his people. Uh, when he murders the Egyptian, who's persecuting one of his brothers, but it's not God's time, and so he has to flee the country, and he's in the backside of the desert for 40 years. And finally, God speaks to Moses, and he says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and to say, let my people go. I want you to be my deliverer. And, uh, and so Moses argues with God. He's reluctant to do so, finally agrees to do so, um, and goes out and indeed delivers the people of God. Um, I mentioned Jeremiah to you. Isaiah uh, was another prophet of God. God gives Isaiah a vision at an opportune time in Isaiah's life. And uh, he, Isaiah hears the word. He has to take care of the problem of his sin, and so he does that. And God calls Isaiah, and he says, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? He said, Here am I. Send me. And so... Uh, God is giving him the opportunity to serve and showing him the opportunity. And Isaiah sees it as God's direction in his life. Um, somebody once said, if God gives you a burden for something, uh, chances are it's, it's your role to fulfill the solving of that problem, whatever it may be. Um, my, my brother went uh, and, and attended uh, Doug Seger's church over there um, when he was still uh, pastoring at Concord, and uh, he, he told them, he, it was a new members class, he told them, he said, now, some of you are going to go and say, uh, you know, I think our church needs to do such and so, and he, you're going to ask me to do it, and I'm going to say, well, if God gave you the burden for it, then he means for you to do the job. And so, oftentimes, that's the way God works, he gives somebody a burden for a certain thing that needs to be done. And it's a passion. Um, some of you have that passion. I've seen it. And, and you're, you're active in fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Um, so if, let that be a, an indicator. But uh, determine God's direction. And, uh, and, and when God gives you a piece about a course of action, then step out in faith and do it. All right, so fulfilling God's plan, how do you do it? Well, you determine God's direction. Secondly, you organize your work. Now, it doesn't mention the actual activity of organizing, right? But it's so obvious that it has been done. Because all these people have a specific place to work. Uh, they have been arranged in specific ways, according to family, 
according to vocation, some organizing has taken place, okay? Uh, and God has apparently uniquely gifted Nehemiah with a gift of administration. And people with the gift of administration just have a knack of putting people in the right spot and uh, helping people work together to accomplish a task more efficiently. And so if you've got that gift, praise God for you. Uh, and, uh, and if you don't have the gift, then allow those with that gift to help you out, okay, in the fulfillment of the, of the purposes of God. Um, he organizes this, and uh, some, some thought and some effort has gone into to organizing this, and they get this thing done in record time because of organization. Now, I want to tell you something. Some of you are good organizers, and some of you aren't. I tend to, I, I can organize, but I, I don't really like to do it, okay? Uh, my wife is a great organizer. See, God, God put us together. <laughs> he knew I needed her, okay? Uh, see the value of that gift. And if you've got somebody with that gift, let them organize. And uh, things will happen more smoothly. And uh, things will happen uh, with better thought given to the details of how it needs to occur, okay? Because that person with the gift of organization knows exactly what is needed. Now, what else has been organized? Obviously, the materials have been put out in exactly the right spots for the people to work, right? Somebody's done that. I mean, the, the Scripture doesn't tell us it's been done. But obviously, if these people are building, these materials have been laid out for them. They've been provided. There's some kind of a supply system where they're getting the materials they need at the time they need it. And this thing is going up quickly. Um, so uh, organization is a great blessing to the church of God. So uh, value those people and pray for them. If, if God's, given, God's given us several people with that gift in this church, pray for those people as they organize it. God will help them and and bless their work, and it will be as effective as we can be as a body of believers. All right. So, to fulfill God's plan, well, how? Well, you, you determine God's direction, you organize your work. Now, if God has given you a specific task, you may not have the gift of organization, but you will probably have to do some kind of an organization in order to get things done, right? Uh, I knew when God called me to preach that I was going to need to get some training. And so I had to fill out paperwork to go to school. Okay? I had to determine where I was going to go to school. I had to work out the details of how I was going to arrange my work and my school. And so there were some organizational aspects to that. Um, if God gives you something to do, give some thought to it, Right? You may not have the gift of organization, but if you would give some thought and plan ahead a little bit in the fulfillment of what God has told you to do, it will go more efficiently. So, and you can pray for God's help in that. So Nehemiah's done this, and he's done a splendid job with it. So uh, fulfilling God's plan, determine God's direction, organize your work. Thirdly, persist in your service. Persist in your service. Look at uh, verse 5. Beside them, the Tekoites uh, made repairs 
But their nobles did not lift a finger to help their supervisors. Hey, wait a second. What about him? He's not doing what he's supposed to do. Is that what they did? Did they stop building? Well, if he's not going to build, I'm not going to build. No. They continued to do the work of God. Despite those who didn't want to do the work of God. Now, if you've got enough people that don't want to do the work of God, God may change his plan to one of judgment. That's what happened with Moses, right? Moses is trying to take the people into the promised land. They said, no, these, we're like grasshoppers, and these guys are big and strong, and we, what are we going to do? We can't handle these guys. And they refused to go in. They refused to trust God. And God said, okay, you're going to wander around in the wilderness, and all of you are going to die off, and the next generation, your children... Uh, will go in, and they will inherit the land. And so God changed his plan. Well, they, they said, well, no, we'll go up. We'll go up. And, so, and Moses said, no, God's not with you. So they went up and were defeated by the Canaanites and fled. And, uh, and so um, <clears throat> if there's enough who are unwilling to follow the plan of God, oftentimes he'll change his plan to judgment. But almost always there's somebody that doesn't want to do the plan of God, right? Someone said that, that there, whenever you have a project, there are go-go's, the people that, I mean, they're just ready. They're, they're on the, on, ready to sprint off the blocks right now. Uh, you've got the go's, you've got the slow go's, and you've got the no-go's. The slow go's you can convince. Over time, you may take some time and some patience. You can convince the slow The no-go's, I'm sorry, they're not going. You, I mean, you can, you can be like uh, Moses and Aaron and throw down the rod and it become a snake. They're not going. They don't care. They're not going. So you always got some who don't want to do the work of God. But, and I'm glad that this detail is included because it, you know, it is so realistic to the situations that we face when we, we seek to follow the Lord. There are going to be some, most of the time, that don't want to do it. Some who disagree with it. Uh, ideally, we want uh, to make a shared decision, go forward together unanimously. Isn't that great when that happens? And God's, God's spirit leads and everyone's on board. Uh, but that will not always be the case. But we still go and we do the work of God. We fulfill the plan of God. Uh, it's kind of like Peter and John. You know, we, just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about um, Peter's, you know, J- Jesus says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, you know, shepherd my sheep. And uh, he said, well, what about him? What about John? What's that to you? You do what I've told you to do, right? So whether people, other people don't want to do the work of God. I love what Joshua says. It inspires me. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. But I'm going to tell you one thing. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Isn't that great? I love that. Just fires me up just thinking about it. Uh, we will serve the Lord. Whatever anybody else does, we are going to follow our God. That needs to be our heart, to fulfill God's role. You know, throughout history, there have been some in dark times who have been lone people. Who, uh, If you study church history, uh, during the time of the, the dark ages, the Middle Ages, it was a very dark time. It was a dark time for the church. It was a dark time 
uh, for the leadership of the church. I mean, it was all kinds of corruption and wickedness going on in the church. And, and yet you would have these people who would come along ever so often that would be sold out to God. Now, a lot of times they get burned at the stake because the people in charge didn't like them. But uh, they would come along and they would stand for God and they would follow the Lord and they would shine like a bright light because of all the darkness around them. Listen, I'm going to tell you, that's the kind of situation we're in today. It's dark in this world we live in today and this nation has grown darker. But I'm going to tell you something, God's people can still shine a light. I love what the, what the book of Acts says. Um, these, these few, uh, the, the twelve, you've got the 12, and then you've got a group of perhaps about 250 um, that are praying there at Pentecost when the Spirit comes at Pentecost. And then you've got some others who are saved and who surrender. But it, it's not that many. And I love what, I love what the... Uh, the people start saying, see these men, they have turned the world upside down. Not that many. <laughs> but they were sold out to Christ. They said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to follow him. We don't care what anybody else does. We're going to follow him. We're going to put him first in our lives. We're going to obey him and fulfill the purpose he's given for our lives. And they made a difference. Made a difference. So persist in your service. Don't give up. Don't let other people discourage you. Don't let criticism discourage you. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself with that. But that's, that's coming in, the, in Nehemiah's story. He's going to be criticized. His motives are going to be questioned. Uh, people will not agree with what he's doing. But he persists in his service. He persists in service. Why? God has given him a task to do. And he's going to do it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will be faithful to what God has called us to do. I love it. So, um, fulfilling God's plan. How do you do it? Well, first of all, you determine God's direction. Secondly, you organize your work. Thirdly, you persist in your service. And fourthly, you remember coming blessings. You remember coming blessings. Uh, in verse 1, it talks about the high priest and the fellow priest beginning to rebuild the sheep gate. Uh, some believe even some of the temple, uh, the temple walls there had, were still in ruin. And uh, even though the temple had been rebuilt by this time, that, that they were working on this. And so, uh, what are they anticipating as they work, as they build? They, they take the first step. I believe they're anticipating restored worship. The worship that is going to be coming uh, as a result of what's... And secure worship, right? we got a security team. We put people out in the front, you know, to look and, and uh, try to uh, be a measure of uh, warning and, and protection for us. Um, these walls would provide a defense so that the people could worship in peace. Um, so they anticipate... The restoration of worship. And, and, and isn't, isn't it amazing? As we do the work of God, as we fulfill his plan for our lives, God draws us closer to himself. It's amazing. He'll work in our lives. Sometimes we're helping other people, but we're getting blessed. 
uh, and, and he's growing us and he's strengthening us and we're drawing closer to the Lord because of our persisting in obedience to him. Um, but uh, they're, they're looking forward to that coming blessing. Look at verse 16. <clears throat> I didn't read this, but uh, verse 16, uh, he says, After him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, uh, ruler of half the, the district of Bethzur, uh, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David as far as the artificial pool and the house of the warriors. And then if you look down in verse 19, uh, he says, uh, he speaks about the ascent to the armory at the angle. Now, there's some questions, but, but basically here, you've got the soldiers in an unwalled city. Think about that for a second. Uh, the security is not very good. Somebody could come in and kill your soldiers in the middle of the night. There's nothing to stop them. Um, somebody could come and loot your armory. What could you do to stop them? And so as they work, they're, they're visualizing the security that's going to come and the stability that's going to come through this wall. They're seeing what God will do. Um, sometimes it helps just to realize, hey, God's got a purpose in what we're doing. And we may be just a small part of what he's doing, but God's got a purpose in it. And as we fulfill the plan of God, souls are going to be saved. People's lives are going to be changed. Uh, we've, we've seen those things happen. Uh, we've seen uh, God change families. And um, I had uh, uh, Chris a number of uh, months ago was sharing with me. He said, you know, my family has been so changed through the ministry of this church. Isn't that a great testimony? That just charges me up just to think about it. How many lives are going to be touched through the ministry of this church? How many souls are going to be saved as we reach out and minister for Christ? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You're, you're, a, you're a loving church. You reach out to other people. You pray for them. You, you give. You serve. And uh, I'm proud of you for it. Uh, keep on doing it. Uh, don't give up. Look, at, look to see what the work of God is going to be. And especially fulfill the specific roles God has called you to fulfill. Did you know God designed you? You're a masterpiece. Uh, Ephesians says we are his workmanship, the result of what he has done. God, the master artisan, sat down to plan you. I, I don't know if he sat down to plan you. Okay, I'm using some figurative language here. But it's true, God designed us as a master architect for his purpose. When you think about that, it blows your mind a little bit. God has invited us to be a part of his work. Is that not exciting? It matters forever. It, it will matter years down the road. After we're dead and gone and people have forgotten us if Jesus tarries, what we're doing right here will matter. And it'll matter when we get to heaven, right? The rewards that we receive and the people that we meet. I think we're going to meet some people from El Salvador who've been saved through the ministry of Brother Carlos. Won't that be exciting? <laughs> and we'll be able to understand them. <laughs> uh, it, it's going to be great. Uh, 
what about people that we've talked to and maybe we never even knew they came to Christ? We, uh, years ago, there's a fellow that came through here, um, gave his heart to Christ and went to get cancer treatments. And he told me he's going to come back through and, and, uh, and, and see us if, if, if they worked. And so uh, he came back in one night, and Philip and I were in the, back here in the uh, conference room. Uh, we had, apparently it was a real exciting study because only two of us showed up. <laughs> but we're, we're talking, and, uh, and this guy comes in, and he shares, and he says, you know, he said, I started a Bible study up there at the cancer treatment place, and 15 people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. I didn't even know about that. Me and Philip, we were about ready to charge hell with a water pistol. We were so excited. We don't know what God's doing. That's going to be so exciting. When we get to heaven and we see those small steps of obedience that we took to the purpose of God and what God has done for them that has made an eternal difference. Mm. Nehemiah and the people who were building we're not just building for themselves. They were building for future gener- generations. Their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren would be blessed through the wall that was being built. Listen, my little grandson someday, Lord willing, I've been praying for their salvation. I believe they're going to get saved. I may not be around to see it. I probably will be, but I may not. But can I tell you something? I'm going to be so excited to find out about that. Whether I'm here or whether I'm there, <laughs> I'm going to be excited to know what God has done in their life. All right. So remember the coming blessings. And it's not just what God does here, but we have coming blessings. Listen, when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, and sometimes Fulfilling God's plan is not glamorous. Can I tell you something? They probably got sweaty and smelly and dirty. Fulfilling the plan of God. Sometimes their back probably hurt. Sometimes they got up in a bad mood because they're sore from the day before. Right? Uh, It wasn't always easy. But they persisted. You know, there are people, we have brothers and sisters around the world who are being jailed for their faith, who are being put to death, and families sold into slavery because they named the name of Jesus Christ. It's not always easy fulfilling the plan of God for your life, but it's always worth it. You can't outgive God. Jim Elliott, the missionary, said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We've got some coming blessings. Can I tell you something? One of these days, I'll either pass and go into the presence of God or Jesus is coming. Even better. That's what I'm hoping for. And in an instant, everything will be different. And I'll enter into the joy of the Lord. I'm going to walk on streets of gold. I'm going to see walls of jasper. I'm going to have a glorified body eventually. That has no sickness, no pain. There'll be no death. There'll be no sorrow. There'll be eternal rewards. We shall see him 
as he is in all his glory. This is the hope we have. Jesus is coming. Keep doing the work God has called you to do. Remember the coming blessings. When things are hard, remember Jesus will give you a reward. You cannot outgive God. Fulfilling God's plan, how do you do it? Determine God's direction. Organize your work. Persist in your service. And remember coming blessings. And God will use you to fulfill the plan he has for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for using us and letting us be a part of your plan. Lord, help us to be faithful, to listen to you and to follow you and to trust you. Help us fulfill the roles that you intend for us to fulfill while we're here in this life, God. Help us honor you with our obedience and our service. And Father, um, help us live in the anticipation of what is yet to come. Lord, if there's anyone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I pray that tonight would be the night they would repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus for eternal life. Thank you for the price that he paid to make it possible. And we pray it in Jesus' name.